hey, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp is a good Marvel film because I have a personal connection to it due to its family-themed story. Come on, Brandon, man. He ain't game. You saw the way he shared his film opinions on the internet? I need the practice, guys. You're the most beloved host on Is It Really? You don't need any practice. Come on, Brandon, man. This kid is an L7 weenie. Oscar Mayer, even. Sorry, sorry. You can share your opinions on the internet, you know. No, I can't. I don't know how. Thanks for taking me here, but I think I'd better go. Hey, hey, you think too much, man. This is the internet. You gotta stop thinking. You just have fun. Listen, you just share your opinion like it's the only one that matters. And if people disagree, you pretend that they're a bad person. Okay. Ant-Man and the Wasp is the greatest film ever made. And if you disagree, you hate comedy, family, and America. Forever. 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 Welcome to Is It Really? The podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm baseball star Zachary Smith Michaels. And I'm Mitch Dupree. And today we're baking like toasted cheesers and asking, is everyone welcome at the Sandlot? Zach, why don't you give us the synopsis of the Sandlot? Scotty Smalls is new to the neighborhood and has zip time to make friends before summer. He's quickly befriended by a local neighborhood legend named Benny the Jet and invited along to play baseball with Ham, Squints, Yeah Yeah, and the rest of the gang. There's only one problem. Smalls is an L7 weenie and doesn't know the slightest thing about baseball. After a disastrous first outing and a little tutelage from Benny the Jet, things appear to be looking up for Smalls. Until he hits the home run that changes everything. The search for friendship or the need to fit in is something we can all relate to. How do movies like The Mighty Ducks and Angels in the Outfield handle the theme of friendship? When I think about movies like The Mighty Ducks and Sandlot, for me, I think about like teams. That's the big thing. And I think a lot of us grew up maybe doing like a peewee sport or some sort of team or group activity. And then there comes a point where we're told like, you're not good enough to keep doing that anymore. So there is like this nostalgia we'd feel for like, oh man, there was this really happy time of my life when I was a part of this group. Like, even as an adult, like, sometimes I feel that with high school. of Like, oh, I miss, like, high school choir because right. I was a part of a group. So there's definitely those values of teamwork and working together and all those kind of things, which those are good values for kids to see in movies. Right. And I, I think Sandlot is more about seeking out friends because a lot of times it is some, like, official sports team or it is kids who are in the same class at school or something. And Sandlot is literally just the kids in the neighborhood during the summer who love baseball so much that they want to play it together. It's like the thing that brings them together more than just school or some kind of peewee thing like you were saying, Mitch, or Little League. It's just guys who 
want to play because they love the game. And that's what brings them together is what they have in common. You can tell the person who made the Sandlot loves baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a love yeah. for the sport displayed in this movie because mm-hmm. I love playing baseball, but watching baseball, I'm just, it, it is the most boring sport in America. And Stop the it right way there. it's filmed and shot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like watching paint dry, uh, but it looks cool uh, and fun in the Sandlot. If the MLB could take a page out of the Sandlot's book, I would watch more games. Probably. We all would. I'm going to ignore that because <laughs> that's a recurring theme ba- on our podcast. <laughs> Baseball is the only sport that I watch, but yeah, just to kind of breeze on a couple of thoughts I had with some other kid type sports movies, the mighty ducks. I think what makes it unique is like, these are all low income families. They skate out on the ice with old equipment, no jerseys, old copies of the Inquirer taped to their shins instead of pads to quote Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Their friendships are all that they had. I think I think it's important to to note that. And I think of a movie like Rookie of the Year that kind of deals with uh, friendship versus fame and fortune and how mm-hmm. he kind of gets stars in his eyes and forgets about his friends for a little bit. And Angels in the Outfield, which is often overlooked. I think what I see here is that friendship can come in all shapes and sizes. You know, you've got crusty old Danny Glover. <laughs> who befriends these kids. I mean, that's that's what he is to them. He's not a father figure. He becomes right. their friend. Yeah, but I fundamentally disagree. I think he becomes their father. Isn't right. that, that is the whole thread of the movie. It's like him becoming their dad. He becomes young JGL's dad. Yeah. If JGL has a friend, it's the assistant with the glasses who gets them nachos. It's Christopher Lloyd as the angel. That's his friend. Because and angels are watching over all of us and they're all our friends. But they don't help during the playoffs, which. Well, they can't cheat, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. They can cheat for 180 games, but not the playoffs. These are the rules. Yes. He kind of he's making them up as they go. I do. (laughs) I do push. I push back a little bit. I think I think Danny Glover is is a friend. And I mean, maybe at the end a father figure, he's adopting these kids. But I think the the, I think the important thing is friends don't always look the way you think they will, you know, and they, they come yeah. in just all different packages, you right. know, like Tony Danza. Yeah, I did want to talk really quick. I'm going to be a little sneaky. But when I think about good friendships, even though it's a TV show, I know we're all talking about Stranger Things right now. Mm-hmm. And those kids more so in the first season than in the, the latter seasons. And they all feel like they're just really like a tight group. And they're all yeah. really good friends. You know, I think about probably the dynamic off camera. Clearly, they're having a great time improvising with each other and acting with each other, whereas I'm sure the Sandlot was probably a lot of fun to make, but it doesn't seem like those kids are having a super fun time acting with each other. It seems like, you know, you have a director who's taking the project very seriously and Mm -hmm. isn't really like letting them go off on tangents like in a Mighty Ducks or we talked about heavyweights. So this one feels like it's trying to be more of a film than some of these other kids shows where they just kind of let the kids have fun on set and riff with each other a little bit. They're different tones, though. That's tough. I don't hold dramas to the same standard of like, oh, they don't seem like they're buddy. But, you know, like, well, yeah, they're doing a different movie.
Because there's eight of us and he makes nine. Yeah, yeah, so would my sister, but I didn't bring her. With nine guys, we got a whole team, yeah, yeah. You already fill up all the empty positions since I was when you moved to Arizona. Right, and now I get to rotate eight positions instead of seven. I need to practice, guys. You're the best on the team. You don't need any practice. No, you don't. You're the best, man. Come on, Benny, man. The kid is a L7 weenie. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Mayer, even. Footlong. Dodger dog. A weenie. Laughing at yeah, You were like a duck. Kiki, but I'm... I'm part of the game, right? Yeah. Now, how come he don't get to be? Why are the kids opposed to a new person joining their team? And why do we not like the new kid? So do we think it goes beyond Smalls is the nerdiest kid in the universe when he shows up? Because he's wearing a very big fishing hat. And if that's how we met Zach for the first time, who knows? (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, like it's 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 tough. Like he's got the the shorts and his tucked in buttoned up shirt. Come on, man. Well, we met through doing theater, so I probably would have been like, mm, yeah, that's here's, true. Here's a guy who knows what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we're afraid of the new kid because it's kind of like to do a math analogy. If I have six scoops of ice cream with six of my friends and a seventh person comes in, that's less ice cream for me. I think that that's the thought process we have as kids. Like, oh, if this new person comes in, then maybe that means I won't be as good of friends with other people. Or this person might come in and and take my place a little bit. Whereas when you get older, there's kind of I think we kind of see our differences make our friendships more beautiful and more interesting and more fun. But when you're a kid, there's a lot of, well, if we bring in more people, that's potential for maybe me not to fit in anymore. I agree with that to an extent, but don't you feel like in the Sandlot specifically, the team feels like someone is missing since someone had moved away? Like there's this sense of they're trying to fill a gap. And that I, I think that that's a valid point, too. It's usually the new kid is stepping in for someone else to some extent. Because that's how Benny vouches for him. I think with like a sport like baseball, that does require like a certain amount of players on the field. I think that would definitely be more of like a selling point for Benny. And I think what we what we see here, because at first you think, oh, they don't want him around because they know he's not good at baseball. And after Benny kind of starts selling them on the idea, you notice the insults kind of get personal. He's a geek. He's an L7 weenie. He's a square. Oscar Mayer, even footlong Dodger dog, a weenie. Exactly. Exactly. I think, though, like it's clear that Benny sees someone that just needs a chance. He sees something more than these kids see. That's why I feel like the next scene when Benny goes out and kind of explains, hey, this is what you need to do to catch, to throw, you know, and he puts it in words he can understand. And I and I like contrasting that to. Smalls trying to learn how to play catch with his stepdad, who's frustrated, who's sarcastic, who's real short with him. And if the ball moves, move your glove. I was like, oh, OK, thank you. <laughs> and Benny's like, hey, did you ever have a paper route? And it's like it just makes perfect sense to Smalls. And then the kicker, how do I catch it? Just stick your glove out in the air and I'll do the rest. And I think what that is, he knows that this kid just needs a little bit of confidence and let me do that for him. And do I think he would be able to instantly catch and throw after that? No, but this is a movie and I just like what it symbolizes. 
I think another thing is even more at the core is Benny wants Smalls to be there. Like he wants him to be on the field. Whereas when Dennis Leary is teaching him how to throw, it's literally Smalls' mom says, you know, you have time, go outside, take him outside, show right. him. She has to drag him out there. Like he doesn't like he doesn't care. He has other things he'd rather be doing. And Benny genuinely wants that ninth player on the field. Mm. Yeah, I want to be clear. We shouldn't even be calling him Smalls's father or stepfather. We should be calling him either Bill or Dennis Leary because he is the <laughs> worst dad I think I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. Oh, what's, what's the, what is the line he says? Gotta watch out for that curve. What he hits the son of the eye with a baseball. He is the worst oh dad. The, yeah, I'd say he's the worst dad. The, this dude is he's terrible. But yeah, Brandon, as ridiculous as Benny being able to hit a baseball to a specific spot in the outfield. Right. Is I agree. I like the symbol of it. I like that he meets Smalls uh, where Smalls is. Like this is what yeah. you're able to do today. It's holding your glove in the air. You know, tomorrow maybe you'll be able to move to it. But right now you can do this, and I'll meet you there. Um, and that's <laughs> that to me is a that's a powerful lesson. It's a powerful metaphor about you know how we should love people. There's also too. I really right. like the moment and the next scene where he gives him his hat. His old hat. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of teaching them the rules, teaching them the ropes. I like that. I call that the debrief. He gets back. You yeah, know, they, yeah. They walk back together and. All right. Just clear up a couple things. You got a fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be clear. When you say I call that the, the debrief, you mean when you're thinking about the sandlot on your head? <laughs> I label the scene the debrief. <laughs> My uh, internal monologue. the sandlot. I think one thing that also stands out to me after Benny vouches for him and he's able to successfully catch and throw the ball, all the other guys fall in line, you know, and they're all like, oh, I knew yes. it the whole time. Mm -hmm. They're all on board then. And I think Benny knew that Smalls just needed that one thing. If he can just catch one ball, then these guys will be OK. And sometimes mm -hmm. as a kid, all it takes is another kid who's confident believing in you. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like as kind of a awkward kid in school, I remember if I did something cool in guitar class or if I caught a football in gym class. And like some other kid who was very confident and was, you know, kind of had a lot of other friends would say like, wow, that was really good. You know, you kind of get that extra, that extra boost. Like, yeah, that is pretty good. And then you, you feel mm -hmm. good about yourself. Kids need that. You know, they, they need to feel good about themselves. What other themes of boyhood and growing up does the Sandlot tackle? I think the mom sums it up best in that scene when she's just like, go out, break the law, kill people, jump some fences, <laughs> Hold your break horses. some windows, stuff like that. Kill like it's a little bird stuff. <laughs> skip school. <laughs> I feel like at its core, that is a big thing of boyhood. I mean, it's right. worth noting our podcast is a little bit of a boys club. Like we're, we're all boys. So we can only speak from that perspective. I think I'm I have the tendency to code like things like getting into trouble, scraping knees and stuff is like, well, that's typical boyhood behavior. Right. Sure. Or maybe it should just be considered that's typical like kid behavior. Yeah, I do think of part of being a, a boy specifically. It's the way I think of it is like the scene where they go do drugs, where they where they do the chew, chewing tobacco. Right. 
they're not doing drugs. Let's let's be careful there. Right. Um, okay. And then they're punished for their sins. It's just that it's just that super healthy chewing tobacco that's taken so many professional athletes into when they're out there doing lines of coke in the uh, in the dugout. <laughs> I must have missed that scene. <laughs> yeah, after oh, the my pool goodness scene. gracious. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do, though. They're having chewing tobacco. I think of those kind of experiences. I didn't do chewing tobacco growing up, but I broke rules right, right with yeah, my right. friends. Stuff you don't tell your parents about. Yeah, I don't want to incriminate myself because my mom listens to every episode. But like just little things. You're supposed to do your homework and you didn't do it and you copied off someone else. Just like those little, those little things where you break a rule. And I mean, that's just part of learning. It's part of growing up. And I think that that's what we get into to with boyhood. Another thing is having your friends' backs, which is yep. pretty yeah. huge in this movie. Like once you're in that group, there's no moment where your friends won't have your back, which I think is an important trait to have. Yeah, because when Smalls hits the ball over the fence, it could easily have just been his problem. Why did you bring your dad's ball? That's right. dumb. But they immediately are like, we're going to help him out. So, yeah, that's cool. I think yeah, also kind of to jump onto that when it's all said and done and they do get the ball back. An important moment is they own up to what they've done, you know, and they go and they they knock on Darth Vader's door <laughs> and they talk with him. And then he goes back and he talks to his stepdad and he gives him the murderer's row ball and apologizes. And yeah, it's a good it's a good scene. And, you know, he still gets in trouble. He still gets punished for swiping the ball. But, you know, he's honest about it. And I think that's that's absolutely a good lesson to learn. You know, you make a mistake, own up to it, move on. Is the Sandlot a boys only club? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is. The one word answer drives me crazy a little bit, though. Just a little bit. Yeah. So go into why you think it is. I don't necessarily see that as um, a negative thing, because I think there's something important as boys finding kind of your your group for the first time in your life. I think that that's something that's important. And, you know, I mean, clearly I haven't seen as many movies that I think are geared more towards a female audience. So I don't know what that looks like in those movies. But I assume right. that that's that that's there. like finding, you know, a group of people you could talk about anything with is huge. And I, I think that it's definitely a boys club and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Although I don't know if Mitch, you want to talk about. Let me just jump in here. <laughs> I think when you <laughs> before I unleash Mitchell, because <laughs> <let me> <laughs> I the know Mitch is going to have thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, so I think when you compare Sandlot to a movie like Mighty Ducks, I think mm -hmm. it's real easy to think that Sandlot's less inclusive. Zach, one of the first things you said when we started tonight was that there's a fundamental difference here. Sandlot is a group of friends. Mighty Ducks, you're not choosing the people you're with. You get placed on a team with players, you know, and we're really splitting hairs here. But when 12 year old boys say, hey, let's put a game of baseball together. You think of just all the boys that, you know, play baseball. It's not, hey, what girls do we know that play baseball and that come out? It's just not like where a 12 year old boy's yeah. mind goes. It may not feel as inclusive as the Mighty Ducks, but I think it's realistic. These are pickup games among friends. Right. I think... My thought on that is one person's experience is not everyone's experience because I agree, Brandon, like I as as a kid, I didn't know that many girls. I mostly hung out with other boys. Maybe some people might buck against what we're saying when we say that little boys might not know any girls or no girls who'd want to play baseball with them. I don't know. Personally, I can't speak to that. Right. I don't think that the Sandlot has to be all things to all people. 
Right. I agree with what you're saying, Zach. It's a boys club, right? We're throwing that term around kind of playfully, but it doesn't it strike me as an issue. I agree. It can We can make a movie about boyhood and that's fine. It doesn't have to be everything to everyone. But here's where my issue comes in. Lifeguard by the name of Wendy Peppercorn. Yes. So this movie has two women in it. And I do mean women because there's Smalls' mom. And we don't know her name. We just know that's his mom. And she gets that clunky dialogue of go break some rules. Go do this. Go do that. You know who the last person who would ever say that to me was growing up? Your mom. Yeah. Yeah. She's looking at her son stirring his Ovaltine, playing with his erector set. She's trying to figure this out and she's failing. (laughs) Sure. I don't know what you have against Ovaltine. I think she has a good (laughs) performance in the movie where she uses her femininity a little bit to get the Dennis O'Leary character to do what she wants. Come on. Won't you do it for me? That's fine. But Wendy Peppercorn is like played by a, a grown woman. I don't know if she's meant to be a teenager, if she's meant to be a woman. And there's this infamous kissing scene. First of all, one of the greatest lines of dialogue in history when they're in the pool and they're all saying, she don't know what she's doing. She don't know what she's doing. Yes, she does. She knows exactly what she's doing. One of my favorite lines in the movie, period. I still say that mm-hmm. all the time. Not super appropriate but i love it but squints kisses wendy and what i think rubs me the wrong way is the look she gives him at the end of the scene it's a small smile yeah and i don't know if that if i'm supposed to interpret that as approval or as just admiration for his courage (laughs) but it seems odd after she was just kissed against her will by a child for her to like smile at the kid and be like at a boy right Yeah. To all children listening, you cannot kiss someone without their consent. Yeah, it's it's an odd thing. It's an odd thing. And if they're way older than you, that's not allowed either. I don't take it as attaboy. I do think it's a little bit like you rascal. Like I was furious (laughs) and I'm less furious. And okay, you rascal. I think she should have ripped off Ham's head and beat Squints to death with it. Good. It's it's, that seems a little (laughs) generous to the movie. I don't. Yeah, I don't quite see it as all shucks. Then it's followed by her having Squints' 10 children. So (laughs) he's rewarded for his escapades. And that's what my issue is. They don't learn like, oh, Hey, kissing people without consent is bad. They're just like, we did a good thing. And now we're banned from the pool. (laughs) (laughs) That thread is the most ridiculous part of the movie. And I think it's supposed to be. I think it's absolutely supposed to be this inconsequential part of the overall theme. Don't kiss women without their permission. But it... (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. But it it is consequential, though. That's the problem. One thing I wanted to say, just kind of in reference to the boys only club, were they trying to only appeal to boys when they made this movie? I think that's the question that should be asked, but I don't feel like the movie does only appeal to boys. I know plenty of girls who love baseball and who love the Sandlot. Yes, they love these things. This was a movie they grew up watching. So whether or not the people who wrote the movie were trying to only appeal to boys, I don't think it does. So I wouldn't say in that respect, it's a boys only club. I remember when Wonder Woman came out 
and there were these chants and cries of like, yay, this is representation. It's awesome. But then there was this uglier side of the rhetoric of like, girls have been waiting so long to see female superhero. And then there were some people who said, some girls, yeah, sure, but not every girl. Right. And it is a little bit insulting, I think, to to girls to be like, if it isn't explicitly a girl, right? You know, you can't right. relate. When I was a kid, like I was into like Lord of the Rings and stuff. Like children have imaginations. I'm not mm-hmm. saying representation isn't important. I want that to be very clear. Right. And we should have more women and things and girls and things. But I do think, yeah, this desire for like every movie does not have to include every demographic to be meaningful. Right. And again, I think at its core, I feel like the filmmakers didn't particularly care. Like, I don't think they set out to make a movie about a boys club. I think if you look at it, it's a bunch of dudes who are making a movie who are writing and directing this film. So I think, of course, in some ways, this movie is probably a little autobiographical. It's probably inspired by their own life experiences. I don't think that they sat down. They're like, we're going to make this movie for the fellas. No girls can watch this movie. I think they're just like, it's a movie about baseball. We're writing it. We're directing it. We want it to be true to our experience. Here it is. Yeah, I very much get the vibe that someone just wrote down their childhood experience. Sandlot handle the theme of friendship and inclusiveness compared to some of the other movies we've discussed. So I think what makes the Sandlot unique versus like a Mighty Ducks is it's told from the perspective of the outsider. Most people know what it's like to be the new kid or the new guy in some environment. Our story may not be the same as Scotty Smalls, but being the outsider or the new person is a concept that resonates with most people. And it makes a compelling story. Were we all as lucky as Smalls to find a Benny in our new neighborhood or our new job? Probably not, but it would be something that hopefully I was able to do that at least once in my childhood, be a Benny for someone else. Childhood's a, it's a tough time for most kids. And I think we all could use a Benny. Oh, I love that, Brandon. Childhood. Yeah, childhood is very much a a tough time for kids. And I think that that's not just necessarily a, a children's message about like being a Benny for someone else. That's a life lesson, you know, new job, you know, you move into a new community, new church, what, whatever it is that you're doing. You always want somebody to welcome you in. And I think that one of the things I that I really like about the Sandlot is that there's a level of trust that goes into their friendships, too. In Mighty Ducks, they kind of constantly are cutting each other down all the time. And in a lot of kids movies, it's, it's like this. Whereas watching Sandlot out of the gate, there's that a little bit. And there's the occasional you're killing me smalls. But these are guys who <laughs> trust each other and get along with each other. And they have each right. other's backs in a way that is very inspirational and I also think is just really cool and important. Mitch disagrees. I don't want to pick on Sandlot. I love Sandlot. Doesn't that feel a little bit easy or like like this is a perfect world? Like Benny is just this Benny the Benevolent is what we should be calling. (laughs) Like he's just perfect. Kid and like we, I, I was thinking a little bit about like uh, the movie Eighth Grade, right? Where the older high school student takes the girl under the wing, and then what happens pretty quickly is the other kids in the group don't understand the new person, and then someone preys on the new person. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a more 
likely or universal experience. Right. But I'm just saying there is absolutely no conflict in the Sandlot right. for that. Once once Benny vouches and he's in, he's in. And I'm also comparing a kid's movie with something that is not a kid's movie. Right. But I just think there needs to be... I, I'm not that interested in Benny as a character. I would agree with that. Again, I'm more interested in the themes in Sandlot. Also, I think I give it a pass because one thing I can't stand about this movie is the narration. I think it's totally unnecessary. I think it actually takes a lot away from the movie. I feel like the narration doesn't respect the audience. You you just don't need it. It sounds like writers trying to sound smart. That being said, that almost that definitely puts the movie into a lens of nostalgia where you're looking back and you're always going to remember things like better than they were. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. that you said that because that is the primary purpose of the narration, I feel like, in contrast with a movie like Shawshank Redemption, where I do agree in that movie, like the narration just undercuts the action. Sure. I think the purpose in Sandlot is it gives that sense of looking backwards, of remembering, and the audiences are drastically different. For Sandlot, it's for children. Right. So having narration kind of wrap things up with a pretty bow can be helpful if the audience needs that. Though maybe I'm being unfair to kids. I like what both of you said. I think there's a couple things that maybe make this stand out a little more to me. I think Benny is the top dog, you know, and maybe his motives weren't completely pure when he just wanted another body on the field and a new kid moves to town. So he's like, all right, come on out here. We need we need a warm body. So like maybe that's how it started out. And then maybe he felt bad for him and helped him out a little more. But I love when Small sits the ball over the fence and they all come together, you know, in this terrible moment, this terrible time, and they bind together and, and try to figure this out. And to these kids, a baseball signed by Babe Ruth is like a block of gold. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it is the yeah. most important thing to these kids. So, I mean, the fact that his stepdad even had one is shocking to me. That's like that's probably the most ridiculous part of the story but <laughs> I think the way they come together and yeah Smalls is on the team after he catches the ball but he is a lifelong friend with these right. kids after that moment he hits the home run and it changes their lives it, it binds them together right and then they make him s'mores then they make him s'mores and and somehow ham doesn't burn the treehouse down <laughs> coolest treehouse ever by the way in this movie it's oh yeah cool. yeah I think for me, Sandlot, it just exists as this sort of fantasy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's this fantasy world where we get to stay friends with our childhood friends forever. And we're brought into a group and they're unwaveringly supportive of, uh, of everyone in the group. And they band together and they have fun and they overcome the obstacles. I sometimes wish there were a little bit more tension or unease or anything sure. that would tear at the characters in some way. The only conflict we get is this external supernatural conflict of a dog. Well, well I would say there's also the scene when the other baseball team shows up, which that was the tension I was kind of waiting for. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, OK, so they're going to lose. We're going to see them build each other back up and then they're going to have like that next game. And then, you know, they just kind of beat them easy peasy. And I was like, oh, see, I love that right. because I'm I'm totally expecting like a a district five versus the Hawks. First of all, who rolls around the summer in full uniform on a bicycle? No one. Yeah. Those jerky rich kids. Yeah. I know exactly who those kids were. And they, yeah, same. just, they just clobber them on their own field. I love that. It's a nice, 
I don't want to say misdirect, but you expect it's a nice subversion of tropes. But at the same time, there's no conflict then. I don't know. I just feel like there was a better way that that scene could have played out. I think overall, Sandlot just feels good going down. Yeah. Mighty Ducks, actually, I did not expect to come out this way. I think it has the edge for me of being more interesting as a movie. Yeah. We have Gordon Bombay. Like, who? <laughs> yeah, there's just more going on. Sandlot is infinitely more quotable and it's fun. You just feel that rosy, warm feeling because the characters are, are so kind and good to each other. I think what Sandlot does for me is embody everything good about summer. Yeah. Mm. Baseball all day long, all day, every day. And then when it gets too hot, and the pop's not working, go to the pool. And yeah. respect everyone there. Yes, please respect your lifeguards. <laughs> oh, no! It's easy for a character to be Benny when they have the heart of Mother Teresa, huh, Sharp? Shut your mouth, Smichaels. What'd you say, crap face? I said you can't just talk about chucking a newspaper, stick your glove in the air, and hope to catch a baseball. Except for capturing the best parts of summer and teaching kids to have their friends back, this is an insult to the kids' sports movie genre. Come on, we'll take you on right here, right now. Come on. Yeah. We watch movies with real internal conflict. This clunkily narrated mess isn't good enough to lick the dirt off Goldberg's cleats. You don't respect your local lifeguard. Yeah, and you teach kids to play ball like Dennis Leary. <laughs> what did you say? You heard me. Tomorrow, noon, in the comments section. Be there, buffalo butt breath. Count on that pee-drinking crap face. I wish I'd said, and and I'm a penny waste who can't hack it and wears his mama's bra. Mitch oh, Dupree. <laughs> if my dog was as ugly as you, <laughs> I'd shave his butt, tell him to walk backwards. <laughs> time we finished that episode my clothes were going out of style hey thanks for listening to our episode on the sandlot if you want to share your thoughts suggest future episodes or tell us what we missed leave a comment on facebook twitter or instagram we can be found at the is it really podcast don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and if you want to make our day please give us a rating and review we'd really appreciate it i'm mitch debris reminding you to be a good sport see you next time 